Welcome to another edition of the Super Flight Podcast, your Barbara Kruger of NBA Podcast. Because like Barbara Kruger, I also don't think that women need another hero. Because they often are my hero. I have a lot of female heroes. Rachel Nichols, pretty freaking awesome. Uh, Eva Gonzalez, although she's only 18, is pretty freaking amazing. And a lot of the students from uh, Florida that are marching on the Capitol are pretty awesome and awe-inspiring. Man, when I was that age, when I was 17 and 16 and 18 years old, I had no inclination to do anything socially. I had no drive to do anything except for play my guitar and be in a band and get famous. Uh, I, you know, like I was still playing, I still play video games. I still want to, I mean, I don't do it like on a console anymore, but I do it on my like phone. Like that's something, right? Anyway, what's up everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is Tuesday, March 27th, 2018. And it is still super cold outside. I'm so sick of this. I hate it. I mean, it's not that cold. It's like forties, but still it really needs to warm up. I can't take this shit much longer. That's all my, my. Mediterranean body needs some warmer weather. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not really Mediterranean. I was born here in the United States, right in the great Northeast. Uh, but God, I feel like I should be somewhere else. I'm just saying. Um, anyway, ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow along on Stitcher and iTunes and Google Play and all that good stuff and SoundCloud when I'm so inclined to post stuff there. You can tweet at me at Joe Borelli. You can follow me uh, or you can also tweet at um, the Superflight podcast at Superflight pod on Twitter. You can follow the Dunktales podcast, which I do with James Holis. And you can tweet at James if you want. You can, I don't know, click and subscribe. You can go to Almighty Baller and you can follow there. You can rate and review and say hi. <sighs> Did I cover all the bases? You can go to Facebook. You can email the show at the superflightpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I've used the carrier pigeon joke before and the s- smoke signal joke before, which is really insensitive and shame on me for making it. And you can, um, that's it. I think that's all. Um, so what's up everybody? Sorry. I know I was gone for a week. Uh, I missed you. I hope you missed me too. Uh, the reason was that, um, I had a cancellation and to be quite honest, I just didn't have the energy to find another guest. Sometimes the week plays out like that. You know, I don't want to tell you about my job, but it's incredibly stressful. It was an incredibly stressful week last week and by God, I'm exhausted, especially, you know, with the time change and everything, I'm just making, let me think if I can make any more excuses with the time change. I was really tired and, uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, you know, also the idea that like sometimes when you get home from a long day of work and you're really stressed out and you're not getting along with your coworkers and like things just suck, right? Do you really want to come home and stay sober so you can do a podcast? Hell no. You want a whiskey on the rocks. That's all you want. It's just, that's it. You're like, I need my creature comforts. My creature comfort has to be, happens to be a nice glass of rye. So fuck it. I want a glass of rye. You going to stop me? I don't think so. Good. Thank you. So sometimes you have to opt to just numb your pain through whatever means necessary. And my means happens to be booze because I like booze and don't get the wrong idea. I'm not an alcoholic. I mean, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm telling you, just, just believe me, believe what I say. I'm not an alcoholic. Isn't that exactly what an alcoholic would say? You know, I re- this reminds me of a story. One day I was on my way into work at an old job and I used to drive a truck around New York city, right? I used to deliver 
things. I can't tell you what it was, but I've gotten to go into some amazing apartments around the city. Some really, really, really extravagant apartments around the city. Um, in fact, I may have met Ivanka a few times. I'm just saying. It's not like a shining moment in my life. Uh, and I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but there you go. So one day I happened to be driving the truck by, by the lot, by the truck lot. Bear in mind, it's like it's about eight o'clock in the morning and my boss is just showing up to work. And so me and a coworker, we were in the truck. We just pull out of the lot and he happened to pull in and we were about to close the gate. And he's like, oh, you know, he's there. I'm like, well, I'm going to wait and give this guy a ride over to the building. I'm like, it's, you know, it's the courtesy, the gentlemanly thing to do, a courteous thing. Um, you know, I didn't, I get along with him very well. He was, he's a nice guy. And like, I still know him. And like, he, he helped get me my new job. So it's, it's, you know, I was very appreciative and very grateful for him. And he trained me a lot. And, uh, he was a very, um, in, I don't know if you want to say it. inspired. He he's a mentor, all right. So I stop and I pick up the guy, and and you know we was just just pulling away, just heading over to the building. It's only a couple blocks away, and first thing in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning. I don't know why, but he brings up that hey, he stopped drinking for a while now, and he doesn't even miss it, <laughs> which seemed a little curious to me because. It's eight o'clock in the morning. Is there nothing else you can talk about besides, hey, I just stopped drinking. Uh, I don't even miss it, which is pretty big indicator that like uh, to me, at least I thought, well, hey, you know, I it must be on your mind. Do you really not miss it? And either that or do you just think I'm a like slobbing alcoholic that you just want to talk about drinking to? I, th- I think that might have been more of the point. Um, but it's uh, it was just an odd conversation we're driving in a truck together and the first thing out of his mouth was hey guys you know i didn't i quit drinking a couple months ago i i, I don't even miss whiskey literally whiskey was the thing and you know i know the man i know he enjoys whiskey I, i'm not saying he's an alcoholic i just i'm saying that like it's a peculiar thing to bring up first thing in the morning it's like me doth think thou protest too much uh about not missing <laughs> your whiskey well that's me like i don't need to drink I do on occasion. Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you guys about this, but it helps relax my nerves. And some nights I have to make a conscious choice if I'm going to apply myself to uh, a yet another endeavor uh, besides the one that I get paid for, because let's be honest, I don't get paid for this one, um, and work more, or if I just want to relax and watch some Golden Girls with my wife and drink a whiskey. You know, often I just want to relax and watch some Golden Girls and drink some whiskey. And I, don't, don't, don't at me. The Golden Girls are amazing. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. Listen, I asked you guys last week, if you could be in any band, group, anything of all time, what would it be? Who would it be? Nobody, well, few people replied to me. And I know way more people listen than replied. Shame on you. I'm going to say, for me, Golden Girls is one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. And I think there's probably a lot of people that agree with me. But I would love to know what yours is. Hit me up. What is your favorite sitcom of all time? I didn't. I don't even know where I'm coming up with these things. It just happens spur of the moment. Why am I talking about this? Probably because I need a whiskey and I've had a long day at work. Anyway, hit me up. Tweet me. I want to hear what your favorite. What's the best sitcom of all time? I mean, I don't want to hear about Law and Order. I don't want to hear about the best drama. I mean, listen, if you want to go back and tell me Dinosaurs is your favorite sitcom, I don't believe it, but I would love to hear it. Alf? Alf was fun. Super weird. You know what else? Roseanne Barr, her new show is coming out. 
tonight. Again, she's back for whatever reason. I have no idea why. And I read this on a headline and the headline said that Roseanne Barr in the show is a Donald Trump supporter, much like the real Roseanne Barr. So I will not watch her show. And I do think now that she's an ass. So there we go. There's my spiel for the evening. But, you know, Roseanne Barr, Roseanne back in the day kind of was fun. I've tried to watch it recently. It's a fucking horrible show. But if you disagree, feel free to tweet me. In any case, this has nothing to do with sports. This has nothing to do with basketball. I'm very excited to talk to Salman Ali again tonight about the Rockets and James Harden and their chances of actually maybe taking down the Warriors. Plus, we'll go around the league a little bit and talk about the Nuggets and we'll talk about some other fun things. So, Stick around, hang out. I know you've missed me. Uh, And after this, we'll be right back. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, on three, one, two. Are you ready? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm just fucking with you, right? (laughs) I'm already recording. One, two, three. All right. Salman Ali, welcome back to the Superflight. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, could be better. Could be better. It's been a busy week for me, but I'm doing all right. Good, good, good. I'm glad you're doing all right. You should be doing all right, man. Your, uh, your Rockets are in first place in the West. That's no small thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think if you even asked the most optimistic observers of this team, like 60 wins didn't feel like it was on the table, much less this early in the season. And we still have eight games left. That's pretty crazy. Totally. Before we hop into it, why don't you tell everybody about Red Nation Hoops and your blog and your podcast, and they can go check you out and follow you and do all that stuff. Yeah, so rednationhoops.com is a Houston Rockets blog. If you're a Houston Rockets fan, you can follow the website. And we do a podcast every week, uh, normally every week when I'm not busy, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun. We have a lot of great writers, uh, Forrest and I usually handle the podcasting duties, but we bring a lot of people on, uh, nationally if we can. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time. What national writers have you had on? Uh, we, br- I brought on Dave DeFore. Uh, I brought on oh, Dave uh, DeFore is come on. He's not a national Come, come on. I know Dave. I DeFore. mean, no, I'm kidding. I br- he's great. He's great. <laughs> I, br- I brought on Nick Wright, uh, once and, uh, I mean, we we try to alternate. I mean, I, I don't want to like leave anybody out, so I'll, we'll just leave it at that. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, my friend. I'm just I'm just no. Being curious. It's, I, it's just I when you have a podcast for like two or three years, it's hard to remember everybody. Oh yeah, totally. I, I'm, yeah. I'm in year three here, and I remember yeah. every single guest, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, man. So let's let's talk about the Rockets. All right. I'm going to I'm going to start this off by saying I'm going to come clean. So this year I did my predictions again about what I thought was going to happen. I talked a little bit about the Rockets and honestly, I haven't talked about them much this season. Um, And I'm rectifying that right now by bringing you on again. I think actually last time you were on, I think you were calling me while you were driving home. uh, Yeah, it's. I I don't remember why that happened. I think it might have been a time thing. Yeah, I, I I couldn't record any other time or something like that. Yeah, I remember. I was like, you're going to crash. Just pull over. Stop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I know I was very appreciative. Uh, But I'm going to come clean and I'm going to tell you that I was one of those people at the start of the season who thought that James Harden and CP3 were not going to get along. Like, I just thought that it was not going to work between them. And I didn't think they were. I mean, I certainly didn't think they were going to get to 60 wins. I was thinking more like 48. And boy, was I wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, like, listen, you're you're not alone. There are a lot of people in that camp. Uh, I even questioned the fit. I I didn't think it'd be, uh, you know, sixty wins great. I, I thought it'd be okay. Like I thought they'd win fifty four wins, and mm-hmm. I thought it'd get better as as they go along. I, I I actually thought they'd be hitting their stride right about now, and they'd have their struggles at the beginning of the season. But they start off the season pretty damn great, mm-hmm. and uh, it, there's been. You know, there's been a few rough stretches. Like, they they had a five-game losing streak, but I think Harden was hurt during that time. Yep. But for the most part, it's been smooth sailing. I, I don't think you're alone in that camp. There are a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of skeptics uh, involved with this team. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's natural, right? These yeah. guys were both lead ball handlers and now bringing them together, like high-usage guys. Like, it's, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for both guys. And, I mean, hats off to them. They made it work. Totally. I mean, in my in my defense, because I'm human and I'm stupid. Uh, besides that, I, I did make the case that like, you know, the the great thing about it is if it could work. But like, obviously, the reason I was basing it uh, that they they wouldn't mesh was personality issues. Right. As you just mentioned, two lead ball handlers. I was really worried that Chris Paul was going to take a lot of the ball out of James Harden's hands. And we've seen that like last year, James Harden is one of the best point guards or, you know, combo guards in the league or, or the best right now. Right. Um, so I was worried about that fit and I was worried about how it was going to take the ball out of Harden's hands. It, they, they've worked it together seamlessly. And the one point that I did make about it possibly working is like at any one time, at any time on the court, you have one of the best point guards in the league. One of the, one of the top, maybe 10 players in the entire league at the, on the court at any time. And that's huge, man. It's it's not nothing, and I think that is probably a large part of what sustained him. And like you mentioned, they went on a five-game losing streak, but that was when James Harden was out injured. So, yeah, man, I think they've exceeded everyone's expectations. But in doing this, Harden has totally grabbed the MVP conversation by the by the reins, and he's just running away with this thing. Do you think at this point in the season they're they're number one in the West? They're, the Warriors are obviously injured, so they're not, you know, they're dropping a few games in your here and there, which is totally expected. But the Rockets don't really have a challenger for this. James Harden seems to have locked the MVP race up. Do you think they should rest him at all? Like maybe part of like just a few games or just reduce his minutes? Or how do you stand on this? Well, actually, they've been doing that, and they're actually resting him right now. Uh, as we speak, they're playing the Chicago Bulls, and Harden is currently resting for that game. Uh, they've they've managed his minutes pretty well, and I th- I think they should continue doing so. Uh, to answer your question, I mean like they they took a he's playing a minute less per game than he did last year. He's playing mm-hmm. about about at about the same usage, but I mean, they feel like different minutes, right? Like he, when you watch the game, like the usage rate can get a little bit you know de- deceptive when in that eye. Like you have to really watch to see how taxing his minutes are, and they don't feel that way. And um, I think down the stretch, their schedule is a little bit soft. Like they play the Suns. Pretty soon they play the Hawks. Uh, they're playing the Bulls right now. Uh, you know, a lot of bad teams there. A lot of chances to rest him. They're resting him now. So maybe, maybe you can rest him a game or two more. And I think I think they're in pretty good position to really lo- take the load off these guys. Like Chris Paul is taking his rest days. Uh, now Harden's taking his rest days. Clint Capella is going to take his rest days. I think some of the older guys like Nene, they're going to take rest days. I think I think the Rockets have a plan in place, and the schedule has aligned themselves enough to where. They can afford to now. Well, God damn it. You should have told me this before I asked this stupid question. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, well, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. I didn't realize they were actually sitting him for games. I thought he was still playing. Like, I thought maybe they just decreased his minutes of, you know, a little bit, but I didn't realize they were going to sit him for an entire game, which is smart. Like, that's what you should do. They're in, a, they're in, they're getting the number one seed. They have really not that much to play for. And, and the MVP, I think he's got locked up, but you know, they should be doing that. I'm, I, I shame on me for not knowing that. <laughs> no, I, actually you're, you're not alone. Like, I think a lot of people like the perception with Mike D'Antoni is like, he just doesn't really rest guys and that he plays the guys heavy minutes and stuff like that's sort of become a new thing over the past couple of years. And I think uh, when people, if you ask somebody, a random observer, like, is James Harden playing less minutes? I think the answer would probably be no. Like he's playing the same amount of minutes and, uh, it's hard to tell, right? Like it's 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 hard to tell because he still has the ball in his hands a lot, and he's still uh, playing like seventy plus games a year. Mm-hmm. So it, it it it's it gets deceptive. I I don't think you're wrong in assuming that the Rockets weren't doing that. All right, fair. Thanks. Thanks for bailing me out there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this: Do you think there's any possible way someone could take the MVP? Like, do you think? like LeBron James in his 15th season being a maniac and doing what he's doing right now. Do you think there's any way they give it to him instead? Uh, This is a tough question for me because like I, I just came around to Harden winning the award like two weeks ago. Like I thought he was the MVP, but I thought I just, I just, I'm really skeptic, skeptic of him with him in the award. Cause I just don't think like he, like he's not that well liked among voters. Like people don't like James Harden, and that like it's it's it sounds like a homerish thing to say, but I mean it's pretty it's pretty clear when you talk to guys like like he's like he's never gonna win a unanimous vote ever on this thing. Like there are just no. gonna be guys who who put LeBron down or put Anthony Davis down just just because they don't like James Harden. Like I just like there are people there are people among the voter base. I just feel like we'll never do that and um. As far as if I, do I think someone's gonna take it away from him? I, no, but I mean, I would not at all be surprised if if he doesn't get like a defi- like definitive handle over that first place vote. Like I like I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like sixty five first place votes as opposed to like seventy two of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, and the thing is, like, you shouldn't take it personally, or he shouldn't take it personally. The only person that's ever done it was Steph Curry, right? It happened one time. LeBron James has never done it. Michael Jordan right. has never done it. Like. You know, of course, there's always going to be the naysayers. The The only reason Curry won it that year, I mean, he was absolutely deserving, but he set records. He did things that nobody thought was possible on the basketball court. He had right. that three-point shot that was like, it was unbelievable. It went in every time from like way beyond the arc. It changed. They won 73 games. And like, they won 73 games, right? That's nuts. Yeah. And even in that, yeah, 73 games is insane. And even in that, they didn't win the championship. So like, don't don't take it personally that he doesn't get a unanimous vote. I mean, you're right. There are people that his style of play obviously tends to grade on people, right? He's I think last year when we talked about this, we talked about the thing that he does best is really stopping. And that's how he draws people into contact and stuff. Um, right. But, you know, the 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 going for the contact rather than the just playing to the rim, I think bothers people. I mean, it is a little bit irritating to watch. I think he's really toned it down in the last few years. Like I can remember three years ago, I couldn't stomach watching him. I was like, this dude is just his whole method of playing is going ISO and trying to draw contact and getting, getting free throws. 
And it's it's really irritating. I can see why people don't like him. He does that a lot less now. And I think he's just such a superior talent. And going to the rim, like he can shoot from anywhere and go to the rim. rim. And the way he passes the ball is just, it's amazing. Like for a guy who's not leap out of the court athletic, like, uh, like you know, uh, LeBron James or Anthony Davis or something like that, he he's just uh, amazing to watch. And I think he's absolutely deserving, but I have to tell you this. As deserving as he is, and I thought he should have got it last year over Westbrook, speaking of amazingly you know, athletic, I kind of don't want him to get it this year just because I want him to be one of those guys where we look back and go like, man, he should have got it one of those years. What if? I, am I wrong? In what? Uh, in feeling in that what? way? Do you, does it make you angry that I feel that way? <laughs> No, I mean, like, like, I've seen this sentiment expressed on Twitter before, uh, like, like people, like, I just, like, they don't want it, so, so it's just like a, con, like, it's, it's like a self-repeating process, right, like, where yeah. he just never wins it. Um, I just, I, I mean, I think it would be funny, I feel like, honestly, I want him to get it, he deserves it, he's obviously deserving for the last two years, right, but if he doesn't get it, oh my god, it's gonna be so hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I've definitely seen that. Like, like it'd be so hilarious if he doesn't win it or whatever. Like, it, it, but like, I'm at that point where like it, it, he's just had such a, a definitive like lead in like people in the perception of this race. Like, I, I just feel like every, every time you turn on the TV, like they're battling over who's second place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's it's like who deserves to be in this discussion, not who deserves to win it. Um, right now, uh, I I think that uh, Harden is probably like. I just I just feel like he's he's going to win it at, at the end of the year, but I would not at all be surprised, uh, as I said earlier, like if he doesn't have a like a, cr- a clear handle over it. Like I I see a lot of LeBron buzz going on right now. Like um, you know LeBron 15th season, he's playing amazing, mm-hmm. has all these highlight highlight plays. Um, I I could see I could see where someone has it in their mind to not vote Harden uh, because LeBron's playing so amazingly in his 15th season. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for anyone to make up ground in these last dozen or so games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you know, in all honesty, I think he's got it locked down. I don't think it's I don't think they're taking away from him. I think he's definitely going to get it. And he's he's deserving of it. They have the best record in the league. He's played amazingly this season. Even if you don't like his style of play, uh, he's a really damn good player. And I think he's I'll, I'll say this. There's a, there's a you can not like his style of play and appreciate how damn good he is. Like, I think oh, yeah. I think. I, I think both things can be mutual. It, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Like you don't have to like like dislike his style and at the same time be like, oh, he's just a scrub, right? Like you you can under you can you can un, you can understand how good he is while at the same time you know not liking his style. Like, which I can you know like basketball is like in terms of viewing that's pretty subjective. You can like whoever you like. That's that's why our sport is probably the best out of all the major sports. Like you. Your favorite player can be someone who, you know, just doesn't resonate with other people that well, right? Like, like Russell Westbrook is a really polarizing figure in that way, in mm-hmm. that some people like him a lot and some people hate the way he plays, right? And I think I think Harden's going to go down as one of those polarizing figures, and that's fine. As long as he gets his just due, That's I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fair. And listen, I say, like, it would be hilarious if he didn't get it, just like it would be sort of funny. But at the same time, if, if Embiid were up for... MVP and he didn't get it. I would not think that's funny at all. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling you. Um, but yeah, no, you're totally right. Like Westbrook, he is one of those polarizing figures and 
I'm one of those people that like, I, I like watching him play, but it also frustrates me because he has all the athletic gifts in the world. And sometimes it just feels like he's a little bit selfish on the court. I really would have given Harden, uh, James Harden the, the award last year if I was voting. If I had a vote and one, one day when they wake up and realize that I should be getting a vote, I will. Um, <laughs> never going to happen. Anyway, listen, here's, here's a surprising thing about, like we already talked about how the Rockets are so much better than we expected, right? Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with their defense. They're their defense this year, I think they're 10th right now in the league. And that's, you know, that's a huge step up from last year. What they, they were, I think they were around 17 or 20 last year in the league. Well, actually they're seventh right now, which is ah. like surprising to me. Last time I checked, like they could, they could be off. It's been a game since I last checked, but yeah, they're, they're up there, man. Like they're climbing the ranks through these last couple of games, especially as they rest guys they're they have to defend depend on their defense a little bit more mm-hmm. and that's making them climb these rankings it's, it's it's pretty impressive so how have they been doing this i mean like d'antoni has never been known for his defensive schemes he's always been an offensive minded coach he's he's basically the reason why we have uh the warriors offense that we have now this like the the modern day nba offense which is all three points and getting to the rim he's probably the reason for that but his teams have never had a defense and this year the Rockets are just playing out of their minds on defense. And I think for a minute there, they were they were like fifth or leading the league in defense. Um, how have they been doing this? Um, a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, their acquisitions this summer were pretty targeted. In uh, they, they got P.J. Tucker. Uh, they obviously uh, traded Chris Paul for Patrick Bailey. That's a wash. They're both really – they're both all defensive guards. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got, they got Luke Mbamute, which is probably their most impressive signing – uh, they got him on a minimum contract, which is damn cheap for a player of his services. Um, and they got like, and they have a cohesive system, which Jeff Bizdelic is the second reason they're this good. Like th- that guy is good at constructing a defense. Like they they play such a switch heavy scheme, uh, so they put the onus on you uh, to score on them in isolation, and and oftentimes. Uh, you're not you're gonna lose that battle because they have a six eight wing on you that can move his that can move his feet, and um, it's it's been it's been really really successful. It, 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 I think Jeff Bisdelic deserves a lot of credit. He's their associate head coach. Uh, he's the guy that uh, that the Rockets hired to pair with D'Antoni in the offseason last year, um, and uh, he's been amazing. He's been really like I, I, D'Antoni deserves a lot of credit for being able to delegate. Uh, what he's not, what he's not great at, his his mm-hmm. admitted weaknesses uh, to Jeff Bisdell. Like I, I even heard like if when you talk when you talk to people, like they've split practices in half to to offense defense. Really? Like like yeah yeah they've they've like so Mike D'Antoni has control of one one part of practice and Jeff Bisdellic has has control of another part of practice, and I think they I think they deserve credit for that. Like they've made it work the pairing of those two coaches. Um, and these acquisitions, the front office deserves credit for those acquisitions. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really a, a combination of the two. That's, you know, that's amazing, man. Like, you know, I don't think anybody's a, a, a newbie to the idea that Daryl Morey is one of the best GMs in the league. He's a very forward thinking guy. He gave birth to Hinky. <laughs> Quite, he literally, he gave birth to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of his giant forehead. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, no, but it, like making, 
making hirings is also, it's almost as important, like making good hirings in your front office or in your coaching staff is almost as important as, as hiring the right guys, right? Like bringing in the right players. If you have a superstar too, like Chris Paul and James Harden, that's a great way to start. But if you hire guys that can also get them to be their best players, that's huge. And it goes a long way. And maybe, you know, maybe they might lose him to a coaching job because if he's that good on defense, I'm sure other people are going to want to take him too. Um, yeah, I mean, like it reminds me a lot of the situation they have on and they have going on in Golden State with Ron Adams, mm-hmm. uh, where where Steve Kerr handles the offense and Ron Adams handles, handles the defense. Like it's a very similar situation. It's it's very unique. It, it doesn't happen that often. Uh, you have to get like two personalities that really really click to make it work. And uh, those two guys knew each other before. Uh, the Rockets brought them on together. So, I mean, that credit to Daryl for finding those guys, as you said. Yeah, totally. Let me ask you this. Is there an unsung player on the team who you think is going to make a huge run in the playoffs? Like, we, every year we see this guy that he's... Uh, I Think about Steven Adams a couple of years ago when they they were in the playoffs and, and they gave Golden State... or Was it Golden State? I forget. Anyways, it was like three years ago and Steven Adams just came out of nowhere and we're like, man, that guy's going to be so good. Last year he regressed a little bit. But this year, he's a monster, and he's just a very stable, steady presence, right, down in the paint. Love Steven Adams. A guy like that. Do you see a guy like that on their team that's poised to make a breakout this year or really take them over the top? Um, I guess the obvious answer here is Clint Capella, right? I mean, he's he's their young guy. He's their third best player. Um, he could really use a nice showing in the playoffs to really make his name known. I mean, like, I, I think... I think a lot of people realize uh, they understand how how important Clint Capella is to the Rockets, but I mean, a, a, a nice national showing in like a second or or Western Conference series uh, would really you know do wonders for him. And he's coming up on a on free agency. If he has a nice playoff run, I th- I'm sure he'd be really motivated to have a really really nice uh, deep playoff run and a nice series. I I, I think Clint Capella is the obvious pick here. Um, another one is actually PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. PJ Tucker was really, really good in that uh, in that for playing for the Raptors in the in the East. And I think like he's just he, he just does a lot of dirty plays, like a lot of a lot of like gritty stuff. Like he grabs key rebounds. Like when plays look dead out of the water, you'll grab an offensive rebound and put put the ball up or or kick it out to an open guy. Like he's he does a lot of that stuff. And I think. Um, he may not have like a definitive series, but I think he'll have moments where like he'll bail the Rockets out in like a game five or six against the Warriors. Right. Like I could, I could totally see that happening. Plus, he's a guy you could stick on Draymond and that might, you know, that's not nothing. He's a really good defensive player and he's got that thick body, man. Like he's he's yeah. a load down in the paint. Like he plays. What What is he? Six, eight. And he plays center like very much like Draymond. And, you know, yeah. having that guy that can match up with a guy like Draymond, it's 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 huge thing. Um what do you think their ceiling is in the playoffs? Do you think, I mean, listen, obviously the Warriors are injured right now. Steph Curry is going to be out until at least the second round. Um, but I expect them to get healthy for, you know, at least the finals. But do you think they'll meet them there? Uh, okay, so we, you you just asked me a, a specific question, uh, <laughs> ceiling. Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and, I, and I, I'm going to follow it up with something. Their ceiling is an NBA championship. Now, what do I expect from them? Uh, I expect them to, to bow out in six games or six or seven games to the Warriors. That's what I expect from them. But mm-hmm. they, their ceiling is a championship. Like that's they're that damn good this year. Yeah. Like they, they have 
they have a proven system on offense and their their defense is just good enough to get you far enough in the playoffs and i i think i think like their personnel is is so adaptive and, and flexible and really playoff ready like they they can play a bunch of different lineups out there and i think like with Steph being hurt, like it provides a window for them. Like I wrote a column on this, like a couple of days ago. Like the the window is open, man. Like with the Warriors being as as injured as they are right now, um, chances are they'll they'll be healthy come conference finals time. But will they be the same? Like, are you gonna get one hundred percent Steph? Or are you gonna get like eighty percent Steph? And if you're getting eighty percent Steph, is that enough of a margin to where the Rockets can really take advantage of that? Like, is that enough? Like, or if you're getting Steph back late in the playoffs, like, are the Warriors going to be, like, 100%, like, as a unit? Like, because they aren't going to have that five or six game, like, late running stretch, like, running running start come conference finals. They they probably will have, like, four, four or five games. Like, that's not enough. That, that may not be enough. Now, do I expect Steph to be ready in 100%? I think the Warriors are going to be really careful with him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think the like Steve Kerr was really poignant in saying that he's going to be out in the first round because now that the pressure's off, like they can bring him up, they can bring him back whenever they want. They don't have to, like Steph doesn't have that pressure to hang over them if if they get deep in a first round series and like it's a game five and the the Warriors are down three uh, two or whatever. Like I I don't think that's going to happen, but like if if it ever came to that point, the pressure's off Steph because Steve Kerr's ruled him out. Right, and I, I, I think, I think that the Warriors are going to be really smart with them. But at the same time, like, this is the most vulnerable they've been since they lost the championship in 2016. Yep. Like a few bounces go your way, uh, a suspension comes your goes your way, or you know, you know, with injuries, like that's already going your way. Like, then you're in position to take advantage of it. Like, I, I still think they lose in the conference finals. But listen, like their ceiling is absolutely a championship. Well, it sounds like you're talking yourself into it, man. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, like, I, I, I would not have said that a week ago. Right. But we're at that point where the Warriors look super vulnerable, and I not vulnerable enough to where I would pick them. Like, it, like when when we have to do our picks in, uh, whenever that series is, like, I'm probably going to pick the Warriors. Like, I'm that, that's that's what I'm likely going to do. But, like. I think I think the chance of them winning the winning the chances of the Rockets winning that series has gone exponentially up, and I I, I think I think that's the real thing here. Yeah. Um. And it things can change quickly in the NBA. Like oh. we probably should not have have said that the Warriors were definitively going to win the title at the beginning of the year. Like that was probably a mistake on the collective uh, NBA viewership. Like a, that like we should not have have call this thing as definitive as it was because it, it definitely looks up in the air right now well it's not over yet buddy <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're 100 you're right no and i mean like think about this too the the thing that really might hurt the warriors in the playoffs is take away steph for the first round right without steph on the court i think their their plus minus is like 2.7 which is not as good as some other teams they're only beating teams by their point differential rather it's like two 2.7 points per game. So they have to work a lot harder. If he's not on the court, they might have a series that goes seven games. And after seven games, they're going to be tired if they have to go into another one. And they're, you know, they might be a little bit worn down where the Rockets are at full strength. They might be a little bit more rested. So if they meet in the Western Conference Finals, the team that has the more rest and maybe is more healthy, I mean, it could absolutely happen. 
you know who's not looking towards the playoffs is the Nuggets. <laughs> Just the transition yeah. real quick. <laughs> Do you want to switch switch gears and talk about the Nuggets no, a little no. bit? I, I'm I'm absolutely looking forward to this. All right, cool. I watched them play the Sixers last night, by the way. In, did you watch that game? No, I did not get a chance to watch that game. Here's the here's the dirty secret about me. I'm a Sixers fan, which is not a secret, but the secret is the games I usually watch are the Sixers games, and then I fall asleep. So I don't get to watch much of the rest of the NBA. I mean, when the Sixers aren't playing, I'll watch other games and I'll, you know, pay as much attention as I can. But um, when the Sixers I did, play... I, I did see the highlights of that game. Markel Fultz looks good. Oh, like, man. I mean, he, he looks... I, I, I'm sure you're excited as a Sixers fan. That guy is super fast, man. And, yeah. like, athletic as hell. Like, the, he, it's, it's going to take him some time to, to watch this rust off. That dude looks good, but continue. The thing, the thing I'm more excited about, honestly, really, really more excited about, is that this kid has gotten over that mental hump, and I feel so good for him. He went out there against a good team, had a really good showing, and and the crowd in Philly cheered their asses off for him. That's a huge victory right there. Let's see what the rest of his career is. We don't know, but the fact that he overcame this, this freak injury, this freak mental block that I don't think has ever happened in in the NBA before, that he's come back in the same season and like they were patient with him and they gave him time and the resources that he needed to come back and his teammates were awesome and supportive and the fans in Philadelphia were awesome and supportive. It's a huge victory. I feel great for that kid, man. He's like 19. Imagine having that pressure on you and and, and then being able to, to come the back. the Sixers because they did Absolutely. the absolute right thing in like, Dropping him in this, uh, especially against the Nuggets, a team that's not very good defensively. Like, this is the perfect, like, and, and not giving a, a heads up. Like, I think that was perfect. The way they played this, like, they dropped it at the end of a press conference. Like, yeah. like, or, or something, like it, it, I think it was a scrum or something. Like, like just randomly, Marco Fultz is playing tonight. And yeah. it, like, it was just like the perfect opportunity because I don't think the, the entire NBA world was paying attention and this is exactly what this kid needs, man. Like, you, you don't want to put so much pressure on this guy. Uh, play, play him in a game like this. Get his feet wet against a team that's not very good defensively. Mm-hmm. And and you, you're you're off the runway. I, 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 like, I like the way they played this. And uh, it was definitely questionable how they were handling this towards the beginning of the season. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, but now, I mean, look, the jumper looks good. The jumper look. I, I was I was watching the highlights. Even the misses. The misses, like... Like his form looks nice, yeah, a lot better from where it was before. He's got that high release back again. He's not jerking it. He's not like bringing it up from the middle of his chest. It's 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 so much better. It's so much improved. And yeah, I was exactly to your point. I was going to mention that earlier in the season, everyone was banging the drum against the Sixers. They handled it like shit. They put him out in a position where he shouldn't have been. Brian Colangelo, who I freaking hate, put him you know, like <laughs> threw him under a bus for no reason of his own. He just didn't want to take the heat for like whatever was going to come his way. If this happened to be like the pick that didn't pan out and they didn't handle it well at all, but credit to the training staff credit to Brett Brown. And I guess to Brian Colangelo for whatever we can give him that they did. (laughs) They took the spotlight off him and they let the team play without him. And they, and the reason he came back by the way, is that Brett Brown came out to the media and said, listen, Markel is ready to go. Whenever he wants to go, he's going to tell us. And Mark Ellison, I want to go. And he came out and yeah, it blindsided the Nuggets, which was awesome. But beside that, I don't think they were going to win this game anyway. And the reason is they are terrible on the road. They're like 12 and 24 now on the season. It's also the reason they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't understand what's happening with this team. 
when they came out in the first half, they really took it to the Sixers. I was concerned at first. I'm like, man, their defense is everywhere on the court. They're taking the paint away. They're taking everything away that the Sixers wanted to do. It was pretty impressive. And they were hitting shots from three-point range, which we knew was probably sustainable because they're a really good offensive team, but not at that clip. And sure enough, they came out in the second half, and their defense just went in the tank. What do you think is going on with the Nuggets? Do you watch their games? Are you surprised about how this is happening? Uh, they're they're just so bad defensively, man. Like it, it's it's gotten to a point where like it they should be much better than this. Mm-hmm. Like the Sixers should not be dropping 120 points on you. Like it it's like Paul Millsap was supposed to be the the answer here, and they yeah. still haven't gotten better. Um, and like I, I guess you can give them some leeway because. Millsap did miss a lot of those games at the beginning of the season. I think he missed like he, 25 or 30 games. It was a lot. Yeah, it was it was definitely a lot. So you wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, now, I mean, it's it's not like their defense has gotten dramatically better since he's returned. It's still really bad and they have a tough schedule to close it out close out the year. It doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs as you said. They're still a game and a half back, so I don't want to completely close the door on that, but it's not looking great. It's not looking great. Um, this this might be a coaching thing, man. Like Mike Malone might not be the coach to take you over the hump. And like, I don't like talking about coaches and their job security and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But I mean, like, it it makes me really uncomfortable. But I mean, like, if if you're gonna if if you're gonna make an upgrade this year, like this is like this is the year. Like this is the year to make that upgrade at, at head coaching staff because it doesn't look like you have like some great culturing that you're gonna ruin by firing Mike Malone. It it doesn't look like you, you've build some equity that would be forever taken away if you fire Mike Malone. Like the first time you, uh, Mike Malone was fired in Sacramento right. uh, when he when he built that equity with Boogie. Like I don't think like there's that strong of a bond there. And like you could definitely upgrade there. Like it, like he, I would put Mike Malone in that category of coaches where like he's fine. Like I don't think he's a bad coach. Like mm-hmm. I, I think he's like he's like Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale was a fine coach, an average coach. I think he got killed by Rockets fans too much on the way out, but he was, he was a fine coach. Like he was good for the rebuilding. Like I think, but if you're looking for a coach to take you over the top, like I don't think he's in that category of coaches. Like he might be a very good coaching lifer, like someone you, who you always find at the end of the bench somewhere. Like, like um, a good example of this is uh, JB Biggerstaff in in Memphis. Yep. Like like he's, he's always going to find a way on, the, on somebody's bench like even though he's clearly not a very good head coach like he's very much a coaching lifer someone who's useful to coaching staffs and that's why he keeps getting hired and i think i think that's probably going to be the case with mike malone um it's going to be interesting who they who they look i mean i, I don't want to i mean to be clear he hasn't been fired yet he, and yeah. he hasn't <laughs> let's not put him in the grave right now <laughs> yeah yeah he Yes, but I I just feel like it's gonna be interesting if they do go in that if they do to go in that direction, who they choose to look at, who they choose to interview. It's gonna be really really interesting, man. It's it's I mean, coaching free agency this this summer. It's secretly like one of the most compelling to- like times for for coaches. Like it's there's there are gonna be a bunch of openings and there's gonna be uh like a a bunch of free agents like totally. and, and like and not just like big name free agents like. Like Messina in in on the Spurs, like he's gonna be someone that's highly sought after, and, and like Chris Finch, like he's gonna be a coach that's highly sought after. Like a lot of these assistant coaches across the league are very very good right now. What about Becky Hammond, man? 
Becky Hammond too. Becky like and I would uh, definitely take a flyer on her. I'd be like, just come try it, please. Come come to our club. I'll tell you what, top of that list would be David Fisdale. I would be knocking yeah. on his door to come to Houston. Or sorry, not to Houston, to Denver. To Denver. Yeah, I don't think Houston needs him. <laughs> <laughs> um no, totally. But the the weird thing is about about Mike Malone is that like he started off, he's gotten his club better every year he's been there. And then this year they just sort of like fell off. Like we saw things out of Jokic that last year that were like, man, this year he's going to be so good. He's going to be phenomenal. And Jokic is a really good player. The The thing that Mike Malone is apparently not getting through his head or theirs is that like, they shouldn't be deferring. Like Jokic shouldn't be deferring to, to, um, Sorry, I've just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> to Paul Millsap when they're playing offense, like it shouldn't be going through Millsap, it should be going through Jokic. And I think like Jokic should be taking a lot more of that offensive uh, run and, and they should be working through him because he's so good at passer and he's so good at working in the paint uh, for the most part. I mean, like his, his defense is a bit suspect, but man, you can, it's tough when your big man is, is a defensive liability, but he's not necessarily a liability. He's just, he's not great. He's, and to be fair, it, it's really, really hard to construct an offense around a big man in today's yeah. league. Like it's, it's really, really difficult. I have not seen a team successfully do it yet. Um, it, it's gotten to the point where you need a really, really elite ball handler. And listen, Gary Harris is really, really freaking good. Yeah, like he might, he might be that guy. The Nuggets definitely need some time. Like they're, they're not a finished product, but like they should still be much better than what they are. Like this was the year. Like I had them locked in for the playoffs this year. Like, I, I had them as an eight seed. You and me too. And, yeah. I think you yeah, mean like, everybody else. I thought Gary Harris was going to be the most improved player this year. Yeah, I thought Paul Millsap was a really smart signing. Like, even mm-hmm. the, they got him for a pretty good deal, three years. Like, like, pe- like people were really worried about the type of contract he would get this summer. And, like, the, the Nuggets signed him to a pretty good, like, credit to Tim Connolly. Like, they signed him to a pretty good deal. And now it's it's getting to the point where, like, we got to see that jump. Yep. We, like, like you've, you've had all your time and a lot of people thought the Nuggets could have made the playoffs last year and now this was supposed to be the year. Now there's still time left and they and like, you know, in Mike Malone's defense, like they still have time to turn this around. Like they still have like 10 or so games They're a game and a half back of the eighth seed. Uh, their schedule's tough. It's not going to be easy to do it. Right. It's going to like the window is still cracked open just a little bit. It's it's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be tough. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But I I don't think they're getting it. I mean, they're behind Utah, and Utah is just they're killing it. They're on a roll. They're a really good team. Yeah, but Minnesota, uh, Minnesota is dropping. That's true. It, Minnesota it, could potentially they got stomped by the Sixers, and then they lost to the Grizzlies last night. That's just embarrassing. Was it last night or yeah. the night before? But yeah, that shouldn't happen without Butler. I mean, you knew they were gonna take a step back, but that that is just. Not great. You're right. Denver could possibly get in there if Minnesota keeps faltering. It's gonna be. Yeah, a- they're the eight seed right now. Minnesota is the eight seed right now. So if and, and like we have, yeah, no are they? Idea I have what- them at the seven. Oh, you're right. It just I just updated. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, good oh, guy. So, yeah. They're a half. They're they're a game and a half back. And like if if we'd have no idea when Jimmy Butler's coming back. So if he comes back late in the season, perhaps Minnesota locks this thing up. But if he comes back, like if they're expecting him back towards the first round of the playoffs, like there's an opportunity there, man. And like I don't, like, like I'm not gonna say anything definitive because there, because again, we have to see how this all plays out. But I mean, there's the the end of the playoffs. I'm I'm against the idea that the the top eight teams are locked up. Like I I'm against that. Like I I think 
There's there's still enough time. Minnesota could still drop a little bit more, and we have no we, we have to see. We have to see. San Antonio could still fall back down to earth. I don't think that's going to happen, but they're only <laughs> they're they're only at 43 wins. I mean, anything can happen. Um you want to do a couple other topics? Speaking of San Antonio, what happens if Kawhi comes back for the playoffs? We didn't even talk about this when we were talking about Houston. Should should the Warriors or Rockets be scared if Kawhi does come back? No. Um I, like I I think the Rockets are at that point where they should not be worried about any eight-seeded team. Or like, or like any second round of like, the Rockets and the Warriors are like they have to make the conference finals. Both of those teams, like they're like they played well enough to where they both separated themselves from the pack. They their expectation should be conference finals or bust. Like if if they don't make the conference finals this year, like like they deserve every bit of criticism that's gonna come their way. Like like I, I I'm at, I'm in that camp where like. Like yeah, listen. Like it's it's time. It's time for you to make the conference finals. It's time for you to to make to be a competitive series. Like they can't just make the conference finals. It has to be a competitive series. So no, I don't think the Rockets should fear anybody in that lower rung of playoff teams. Like even if Kawhi comes back, Kawhi. Listen, Kawhi is an MVP caliber player. The Spurs have. He doesn't not... put the fear into you at all. Just a little he... bit. I would be shaking if I was playing. If he played the, the whole season, if he played the whole season and the, the Spurs had time to integrate him, then yeah, maybe I'd be a little bit afraid. But I mean, the 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 Spurs have like ten games left in the season. Yeah, like yeah, it's the, it's a short and, time and, to integrate somebody back into your system. Yeah, true. but it's Kawhi. I think they could do it, and it's Pop. I don't know, man. Like I'm telling you, if I was in the maybe West, maybe they can. Here, I'll say this: maybe they can take a game or two off the Rockets or Spurs or Warriors. I don't think. They can beat those two. Those two teams are just so far ahead of the pack. It's really difficult for me to see them losing. All right. I like your confidence. I like it. I like it. How about, how do you feel about the race to the bottom? Is there, is this the worst you can remember? Can you remember anybody like this many teams? I think there was like three or four years ago, there was a bunch of teams racing to the bottom, but it wasn't like this. There's like nine teams legitimately trying to lose every night. Does it bother you? How do you feel about it? It's compounded by the guy, by the fact that all some of these guys are going down with injuries, right? Like season long yeah. injuries, like Porzingis. Like yep. the, I think I think the Knicks. Like I'm not I'm not sure anybody would have picked them, but I think the Knicks had playoff hopes. Like they wanted to make the playoffs. Dude, and, the first three weeks, Porzingis looked like an MVP. They looked like a team on the rise, and he looked amazing. You know, he right. got tired and then he got injured. But yeah, you're right. I think they had playoff aspirations too. And uh, the Grizzlies, I don't think they expected to be this bad. And then they had Mike Conley go go down, and the, the everything went to crap. Like there, there are a lot of teams that like injury has completely ruined a lot of this a lot of this season. And it's also compounded by the fact that like this is the last year to get your tank in, man. Yep. This is this is the last year of the old incentive structure. Exactly. Uh, and for as much as the NBA talks about there is no tanking and like we can fix the system and blah, 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 blah. They caused this. They caused this ultimate tank job by changing the structure of the lottery. Like this is this lottery for, reform is BS. Like it's not going to do anything to keep teams from like tanking at the end. By the way, I'm a proponent of tanking. I'm a hinkyite. If you have to do it into your only course of action. I am too. To re- yeah. Do it, man. You're just using the system. That's why it's there. That's why you're, you know, it's supposed to be that the worst teams get the best pick so you can get better. So I don't know. I think it's just a, a load of horse pucky, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm on the radical end. Like, like if you're going to have an incentive structure to where the worst teams get the picks, like tanking is a good thing in my eyes. Like, I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think the smart teams use it the best. Like, I think the, the Sixers obviously did it really well. 
Um, and I, I think the Thunder did it really well. Like there are teams that just they don't know what the hell they're doing. Like exactly. the Suns, like the, like the Suns, the, Sun. the Magic, the Magic, and the, right. the <laughs> uh, Sacramento. Yeah, and right. they've been down there for like the reason. Like I talked with James Hollis about this all the time on the other podcast that I do with Dunk Tales. It's owners and it's and it's front offices who are really bad at you know rebuilding teams it's not the fault of the yeah. draft lottery it's if you suck like the magic had every opportunity for the last five years to get better and they're just as bad now as they were when they traded dwight howard away it's not the fault of the draft lottery it's the fault of the owner and the GM, there's just still some bad GMs in there. And trust me, I know because as a Sixers fan, for years I watched them do nothing. They tried to make no trades. They they didn't they just wanted to squeak into the playoffs every year so they could be sort of relevant, but they were just stuck in the middle, which is the worst place to be. And then Hinky came in, tore the whole thing down, and they got really lucky, but they also did it really smartly. And they, you know, Hinky's method was that you have to roll the dice as many times as you can. It worked out. I remember a scenario in which we could have had Carl Anthony Towns and, and Andrew Wiggins, uh, right. which still would have been great, but we see what they're doing right now. Um, right. Let me ask and, you, and, go ahead. And, and like, if you're not going to have tanking, like if you're going to try to re like my, my favorite form of restructuring, just take away the draft. Just take away the draft. Let's have free agency with all these young guys. Like, why should these young players have no control in their future at all? Right. Like, why, why, why does, why is it that Carl Anthony Towns has to go to Minnesota? Like, why can't he pick? Why can't he have his two, his pick of the litter? Like, well, and the like, only reason I don't favor that is because small market teams like Memphis, like, well, if you're if you're a if you're a well managed small market team like the Spurs, like, I'm sure there are a lot of like young prospects that would like to go to an organization like that. Like, I think, I think there are ways around that. Like, I think, I think, like, as you said, management is the key to everything. Mm -hmm. The best rebuilding strategies have the best general managers, have the best ownership groups. And I think, I think that's, that's really the, what, what evens everything out. And if you want to, if you want to put like some sort of limitation on there, maybe you don't get the top pick every year. Like maybe there's a, yeah. a rule in place where you can't get the top pick. Like maybe there, maybe we do like the wheel. In a row. Yeah. 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 I didn't really like the wheel idea. I thought it was kind of BS, but. Yeah, me... Okay. Whatever. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's there needs... something in place to where you can't get the pick every year. Right. It, you have to, it starts by admitting that it's broken and you need to fix it instead of saying, no, everything's fine. We're just going to change it this way because it still works. And it's, yeah, it's right. It's, it's, if someone came in and proposed, like if, if we were starting a new basketball league, right. And, and like on an Island somewhere, and this was the, 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 the first draft we wrote up for the draft lottery. Like, mm -hmm. I think it would be insane. Like what the hell is wrong with you? Why are we coming up with all these random numbers? Like why, why is it like this? Right. But the the way it's formed is we tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it over the years to where this makes just no sense. Yep. This is kind of a weird, bizarre way to do it. Um, and like, I, I think, listen, I think this will prevent tanking on the margins where like, you're not going to tank to get like a, a one, like drop down just a marginally. Like I, I think like, like resting Eric Bledsoe down the stretch. I think, I think this, this new form of the lottery, like fixes that kind of stuff. Like to where you're not losing games on, you're not losing games to like opponents for the picks. I don't picks. know that it really does, to be honest with you. I mean, the percentages I mean, like, are a little bit different, but it's. I still think that like you. It flattens the outs, you know. Like you're not you're is, not tank. You're not tanking to get like a slightly better pick. You're tanking to get into a different draft category. Right. All right. Let me ask you two more questions, and we'll go. Does Toronto have sure. a legit shot at making the finals? Being yes. knocking off the Cavs. Yes. You think they have a yes. good shot at yes. knocking? Out? All right. Go ahead. Tell me and, about it. And, and if if I had my pick, I would pick the Raptors to get to the NBA finals. 
Really? Like I, 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 I am so in on this Raptors team. Uh, like they've been, they've sold me all year. I mean, like they're so good on both sides of the ball, and like they have a definitive structure in place. I like I like their coaching staff. Dwayne Casey's done an excellent job. He's gonna get coach of the year this year, and he deserves and he it. He absolutely deserves it, right? Yeah, and like because um, honestly, it's like it's it's showing amazing growth from a coach who has never played this way before. Just for that reason, I'm just like I just I just enjoy it. Like getting your guys to buy in, changing the type of player that Demar Derozan is fundamentally, basically, I, I, and getting that bench to play the way they have. I, I he's done a phenomenal job. He absolutely deserves. Coach of the year. I'm not sure that they're gonna get past the Cavs though. But go on. Well, here's the thing. Like, if if I if I lose a bet betting on a 60 win team to to make the finals, then sue me. Like, <laughs> That's absolutely like, fair. <laughs> like, like I I don't think there's anything wrong with picking the Raptors. I I think they've just been so good. At the same time, I don't blame anybody for picking the Cavs because, like, it's really really difficult to bet about uh, you know against bet against LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. Like, it's just. I understand why people have that dilemma, but like, it's just like the Cavs have been so damn good all year, and I think that one game that you the, mean the that, Raptors, yeah, I'm sorry, the yeah. the Raptors have been so damn good all year, and that one game like, they lost against the Cavs kind of swayed people back the other way on, on the pendulum. But I think that was that game was kind of an anomaly, man. Like the 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 Cavs shot unsustainably, but well, mm-hmm. LeBron had like an all time performance with 17 assists and no turnovers. Yeah, like, it's incredible. And, yeah, like I, I, I don't like if you're gonna say the Cavs are on this whole different level than the, the Raptors. I just, I have a hard time believing that. And I don't, I don't like, know. For I think it, the thing about that was for me is that we still we see that LeBron can just still turn it on anytime he wants. He was sending a message. He was like, "No, you're not taking me down yet." And well, that's sure. Didn't the Raptors win a game against the Cavs like earlier in the season? Like, are we are we waiting this game heavier than that game? Like, like it's just. I don't know. Like the way we do these things with the regular season, where we ch- where we choose which games matter more, like <laughs> based on where we are in the season. Sir, like, are you acu- are you accusing me of cherry picking? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not just accusing you. Like, you. You're not the only one that's guilty of this, right? Like a lot of people were do were saying that after that after that Raptors loss. Like I and I, I get it. I understand it. Like I, the Raptors. I mean, the Cavs have taken apart this Raptors team year out, year in and year out. And I get it, but. I don't know. I just like I they they've just been so much better than the Cavs all year. And they, like if they, if they lose, like so, okay, whatever. Like it's I I don't understand why it's such like a taboo thing to bet on this Raptors team. Listen, I also believe the Raptors are really good, but until LeBron loses, I can't believe he's going to lose. That's just where I I'm hear at. You. I um, hear you. One more question: Who's the scariest underdog heading into the playoffs? Will there be an upset? The scariest underdog heading into the playoffs, uh, um, maybe that Wizards team, because like John Wall hasn't came back, and like I, I feel like you know a lot of people have kind of talked. They've they've at least said it directly, or they've skirted around the issue. Are the are the are the Wizards better without John Wall? Are the Wizards better without, without John Wall? I know I've, I've said it several times. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that over and over again, and. I just have a hard time believing that John Wall doesn't make this team better. Yeah. I, I just have I have a hard time believing that they aren't like a deadly playoff team when he returns. Um, and like they they just have a reputation of being this really bad regular season team. And I don't know why it's, I don't know why it's the case, but they just are. And in the playoffs, they turn out to a diff, wholly different level. Maybe it's because they just aren't that deep, and depth doesn't really that ma- doesn't matter that much in the playoffs. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's because. The play their players just go to a different level. Like John Wall in last year's playoff was freaking amazing, 
and like he's had a reputation of being a really high caliber playoff performer. Uh, they just seem to turn it on like every year. Uh, another team I would look at is the Sixers. Like the Sixers really right this year remind me a lot of the 2011 Thunder team. Um, they just like a team that that just feels poised to be on the breakout. Like and like they 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 made this late season run of like winning a bunch of ge- a bunch of games and like they, I don't know they look really locked in. And Fultz is back, and like I'm, I'm not sure if he's gonna have a direct impact in the playoffs, but their their core is just so convincingly good. Like Ben, I, I have no I, I have no qualms believing that Joel Embiid will will probably dominate the the first round. Like I I think like he's gonna turn it on to a totally different level on no minutes restriction on not on days off. Like I think I think he's gonna have a really great playoffs. Um, so yeah, those are the two teams I'm looking at, and I think they can upset any. Like I, I wouldn't be ups- I wouldn't be surprised if, if they had upsets. Nice. I like where your head's at, buddy. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that the Sixers and the Wizards are actually going to meet. <laughs> I'm with you. I think the Wizards, they always perform better in the playoffs. I mean, they do, and then they don't. Right? They don't get past the second round. But well, I mean, that was the year that John Wall hurt his hand, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, like if. Well, if, I mean, if, every time they get in, they kind of bounce out either in the first or second round. But they're, 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 right. you mentioned that they, you know, their problem has always been the bench, and the bench shortens obviously in the playoffs. So that would be one reason that they outperform expectations in the playoffs. But it's still, you need a good eight to nine man rotation in the playoffs. And I don't know, there's just a little bit. It's still a little bit. It's still a little bit light. And I'm a little bit worried about John Wall coming back full, fully healthy. When he, if he does, he's a terror. And yeah, I mean, I've I've made the argument before that maybe this team overall in the long run would be better off without Wall to get somebody else that is a really good point guard, but that they can also bolster their bench and bring up some of the, like maybe replace the center position, not just jettisoning and you know John Wall, but like replacing those minutes with really quality players. I think if you evened out the roster a bit with Bradley Beal as your star, I think you could do a lot of damage. But can I can I mention another team? Yeah, go ahead. What about the what about the Jazz? Yeah, the Jazz are definitely on my short list. I think they are poised yeah. to do some damage in the playoffs. Man, they've been since Rudy Gobert has come back, and with Donovan Mitchell playing the way he has, and Joe Ingles playing the way he like, they're they're a really really good team. Anyone should be frightened to play the Jazz in the playoffs, and their defense is just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, and Rudy Gobert, like since he came back, he's played like like Defensive Player of the Year, like mm-hmm. he, like. He has been that impactful and that good, and like they've made this incredible run, and they they seem to be gelling at the perfect time. Yeah, and they're gonna be they're gonna be playing a war about a, a wounded Warriors team. Like I I I wouldn't pick the Jazz to win that series. Um, obviously, like I I, I have a hard time believing it. Any team's gonna upset the Warriors in the first right. round, but but you never know. It, 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 here's a stat: in the last 15 games. Uh, the Jazz have the best defense in the league in the and in terms of net rating, they have they have the best net rating in the league too by a wide margin. Like they, it's the Jazz, the Rockets, and the Sixers in this in the last fifteen games, which is kind of incredible. They're peaking at exactly the right time. These are the teams we mentioned as as being scrappy underdogs. Yeah, uh, and I think I think the Jazz are just a team like. Like I think they could force the Warriors to six or seven games, and if Donovan, like I have a hard time trusting rookies in the playoffs, but I mean if if he converts his play from the regular season into the postseason, that's a scary team. Yeah. Like that's a team I I don't want to match up with if I'm the Rockets or Warriors. Absolutely, I was gonna say my one other team is the Trailblazers. I would love to see the. 
the Blazers go deep into the playoffs. I would love to see them play the Warriors again and maybe get the best of them this time. Never going to happen, but man, I I really appreciate this this Portland club. They're um, fun. They're they're, so, fun. they're really fun. I like watching them whenever I get the chance, which is not often because I'm on the East Coast and I fall the fuck asleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> Salman Ali, please tell people where they can find you and thank you again for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, RedNationHoops.com is where you can find all our content and at RedNationHoops is where you can find me on Twitter. Um, I tweet out all the content, so if, if we publish something, it's going to be on my Twitter feed. Thanks, man. Uh, you've been great as usual. And you know what? If 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 the Rockets get to the finals, I'm going to have you back on and you can gloat a little bit. How's that? <laughs> I'm not picking them to make the finals, man. I, I, I That's their ceiling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on. I'm going to let you go. All right, man. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Salman Ali, everybody. Thanks again, Salman, for coming on. Guys, go check out his podcast and his blog, Red Nation Hoops, and I'm going to talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye.